Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We are on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Oh, okay? yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. I got my first solo returning guest, the, hey. the almighty Clint from Liberty Lockdown. Brother, how you doing, man? I am good, Kyle. I'm good, man. I'm fucking pumped up for this stupid debate I have to do in an hour, so it'll be fun. <laughs> nice. Yeah, well, I, it, who are you uh, debating? I saw it, but I didn't quite uh, look too hard. <laughs> yeah, uh, his name's Hody. I don't I don't know the guy. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know that he he was friends with a bunch of the people that joined the Mises Caucus. Sure. And, and he now views them all as being cult members. So I think it'll be a pretty... A pretty easy counter argument when you have everybody in your life going one direction and you're the one standing <laughs> standing the side going you guys are all crazy it's like mm-hmm. well may- maybe it's you i don't know maybe yeah um was he the one who debated what's his face uh sam whippinger from the black flag podcast if i remember correctly yeah he debated him and mm-hmm. uh and uh jacob daniel or daniel jacob i always forget his name oh yeah that's right yeah uh jacob winograd yeah he's actually from (laughs) my state uh jacob's be coming on here in a few weeks i didn't know this until i was hanging out with him at the uh, lppa convention here um he's a mechanic just like me so we both you know are absolute fucking retards because we chose to (laughs) fix cars for a living (laughs) uh dude it's been probably two or three months since I think we last talked. I may be wrong because time seems to be dragging pretty slowly, but we were on Jose's show. And then before that you did my show back in like December, I want to say. 
man that feels that feels like a blink ago that's crazy <laughs> it, it feels like a blink but then when you think about everything that's happened recently it, it's been complete and total clown world insanity um dude what's your read of everything that's been going on because I, I don't know if you saw but uh twitter is set to accept elon musk's offer i see people saying that they accepted the offer um what's your read on that uh i'm actually not surprised i i predicted this about 10 days ago like right before elon i think made the offer formally mm -hmm. i was like elon musk by the end of this year will own twitter and a lot of people were like no way mm -hmm. um so i'm not surprised i mean when you have the richest man in the world and he wants something he's probably gonna get it <laughs> you know that's that's kind of how it works um so the fact that they put up a fight i i'm not at all surprised because they're so ideologically opposed to free speech and mm -hmm. and i think that that's that's really as simple as it gets like they really, really hate the idea of us not being moderated. Like they hate it. <clears throat> and it is an existential crisis for them. And on top of that, it gets complicated by ESG, where I think much of their, their stock value was propped up by BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, the big ESG uh, boys that, mm -hmm. that were basically only willing to fund companies that defend democracy by banning everybody that disagrees with anything <laughs> a Democrat says. Right. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled, man. Uh, like a lot of libertarians are very skeptical of Elon. I don't blame them, but I think that sometimes you just got to accept a white pill folks. If a guy is, if, if a billionaire is saying, Hey, I want to buy this to give you guys back your ability to speak freely, fucking cheer him on. Like what, what are we doing here? If he, if he buys it and it ends up being a disaster, what is it now? It's a disaster now, so who cares? You know, that's that's my take on it. You know, I've uh, kind of bounced back and forth with this. Um, my take on it kind of was the problem with places like Twitter or places where woke ideology infests is that it's never a top-down thing, right? And if you read history, then you know that regimes are never held up top-down. They have to be enforced at every single level. So unless Elon's really willing to drop the hammer and say, look, if you're woke as fuck and you're not living by the culture I want to see in Twitter, I'm getting your ass out here, which it actually kind of seems like he kind of wants to do that. Um, I don't see that being that significant. Now, it kind of seems like he's willing to say, all right, I'm going to fire some of these top executives, which obviously doesn't change the whole culture of Twitter, but it's definitely pushing it in a way that I think we would prefer. Um, What's your kind of take on the culture of Twitter? Do you think that, you know, him just getting in there is going to change it? Or do you think it's going to kind of push in that direction? Or do you think it's going to be insignificant? Oh, no, I think it's going to be very significant, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's why. I mean, they were having, <clears throat> they were giving their employees fucking days off to cope with the emotional <laughs> trauma of him making the offer. These people, these people are extremely fragile. People don't uh -huh. understand this. Like, this is not a... Not a joke. When they talk about safe spaces and shit, it's for real. Like yeah. they need safe spaces because they can't compete with us in, in the idea space. Like they can't, yeah. they can't right. compete with us. This is why no leftists will talk to me. They won't debate me. They won't do anything. They just pretend I don't exist. Even though sometimes I'll have twice the followers they do. It's mm -hmm. just like, it's incredible, man. So yeah, I, I really believe that, that Elon is coming in there and he's going to fucking clean house. If I'm wrong, I'll eat my words. Uh, but I, I think that he's serious about it. And, and there's no way you implement free speech and, and, you know, dramatically reduce uh, the, the moderator's role at Twitter mm -hmm. without fucking wiping out some of these true ideologues and these true believers. So I think he's going to do it.
Yeah, and that's, uh, like I said, from the outset, whenever I first heard about that, that's kind of what I thought is that, look, if he's really going to do this, then you're really going to have to clean house with it or else it's just not going to work because you'll get completely overridden by the culture that's already standing there. But this kind of goes to the larger um, ideas of the liberty movement, at least in my opinion, is that, look, if we're just sitting here screaming about Rothbard, then we're not worthy of influence, right? We have to be influential people in order, in order to convince people of our ideas. Thank so, you. Right. And the right is now finally starting to catch on to this as well. And this is something else I want to talk to you about because you're in the beautiful free state of Florida. Right. Um, DeSantis is so freaking popular right now because he's willing to punch back. And look, yes, he's a Zionist. Yes, he's a neocon. Yes, when he was in Congress, he voted for all the spying apparatuses. He has an abysmal congressional record. But as a governor, you can't say that this dude has not been one of the most effective people in politics today. Like I said, I disagree with him on plenty of things. And I think he'd be a horrible president. But look, he's willing to play the left's game. Um, I got a video taken down for saying something about the election to the degree of it may not have been entirely legitimate and that there may be some fuckery going on with specific left-leaning areas, which makes it very easy to mobilize votes. Well, Ron DeSantis is now looking at changing congressional maps, much like the left has done for years and years and years. But this goes to a larger point of Ron DeSantis is willing to punch back. The reason why the establishment was so scared of Trump wasn't necessarily Trump himself, because every time it came to do something meaningful, Trump bowed, right? He signed on all the stimulus. Whatever the state wanted, he gave the state. It wasn't Trump himself. It was the fact that he showed culture. He had the rhetoric that got people riled up and got people culturally awakened to get them mobilized. 54,000 people came up here to Butler, Pennsylvania, the middle of fucking nowhere, right? Where there's, you know, just trucks, hookers, trailer parks. (laughs) That's, That's all there is up here. 54,000 people came up here to Butler, Pennsylvania, wearing MAGA hats, chanting, we love you to Donald Trump. That says something. It's not the man himself. It's about the culture. I I could not agree more. And I think that the the real threat to the left that that is presented by the, you know, the DeSantis slash Trump movements Mm -hmm. is that the, the conservatives have been cowed. They don't believe that they have the capacity to implement anything that they believe in politically. And if you can get them to believe again, mm-hmm. well, then they're dangerous again. Right. And they haven't been dangerous for a long time. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's the primary reason I like Ron DeSantis is because, you know, all my disagreements uh, with the Republican side, put it aside, uh, they do defend free speech and gun rights and things like that much better than the left does nowadays and and they're more anti-war so like if i have to pick my poison it's a very easy decision for me i'm going Mm -hmm. to choose the right wing like right now that historically it hasn't always been that way in the early 2000s i felt the complete opposite but um i'm just i'm just reading i'm just rolling with the times here like the right wing represents liberty better than the left that's just a fucking fact and i don't know how any libertarian doesn't see that i I still see people absolutely losing their minds about what desantis is doing saying that he's suppressing disney's free speech and you caught that too yeah oh i see it all (laughs) over the place i mean and and people are furious with me i had someone fucking leave me a one-star review on apple Podcasts just yesterday because i'm i'm a a populist and and i'm i'm inconsistent is what they said well let me clarify some things for your audience i am a populist i am absolutely a populist i believe that we should be bringing our ideas to the masses to the common man Mm -hmm. we exist under a technocratic totalitarian rule right now and 
what does that mean? What does that amount to? It means that you have a ruling elite and you have everybody else. I want to reach the everybody else. That's a populist. So right. I don't even understand how that's a fucking insult. It seems crazy to me that we're not going to ride the populist wave and try and make, you know, get some things accomplished during this period. We have been oppressed terribly for the past 24 months, moreover, my entire life. So um, yeah, I'm going to use populism. I'm going to use, I'm going to use whatever mechanism I have. And that includes the state at times to defend myself. It, just as I moved to Florida, instead of living in California during lockdowns, it was because I'm using the state to defend myself. It's, yeah. I think it's just a, a, a bizarre perspective from the libertarian community. And mm -hmm. I, I am dying to, to debate this with some people. So if you have any pushback, feel free. <laughs> oh, no, dude, no way. You're not going to get any from me. Um, okay. Initially, I was uh, very, very anti-right. But, um, you know, thankfully to some of the paleos and the post-libertarian guys, um, I've listened to their points a lot and I've changed my mind a lot when it came to strategy within the last year or so. And over the last two years, I really think libertarians shouldn't be quite so picky everybody knows the saying beggars can't be choosers well at this point unfortunately we are beggars for liberty right uh, yeah we're begging <laughs> after after we were locked in our homes for you know I, I, I was telling the story on a podcast recently but uh my fiance when she worked for phillips um which is a uh, respironics company here in pennsylvania um they literally gave her a note that said, hey, if you're pulled over by the police, and this was like March, April of 2020, show the police this note so that way you know it's okay to go to work. Like, just, just think about that. Imagine being in 2019 and leaving your house with a note saying you're allowed to leave your house. Like that is absolute utter insanity. And this is what the, your government did to you. So at some point, when are you going to say that, okay, whatever gets us further away from this, yeah, it may be a bitter pill to swallow at times, but it's a step in the right direction. And I feel like a lot of libertarians over the last 15 years, 20 years, weren't willing to say, okay, well, this is a step in the right direction. And there is a gray area where you could say, okay, well, I'm not willing to go in all in on this, but okay, maybe this is the lesser of two evils here is, you know, as much as that's a bad, you know, colloquialism or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, this is lesser of the two evils and I'm willing to go with this. And it may not be entirely aligned with my principles, but I'm willing to at least push things in this kind of direction. I feel like DeSantis and the paleo guys are more on that kind of wing. And I have a lot more respect for that because they say, hey, this is a flawed solution, but it's a solution nonetheless. So what would you rather do? Just sit here and scream on Twitter or do you actually want to do something? Well, see this, my, my position on it is pretty simple. If if you have someone with political power that is willing to claw back liberty in any fashion, mm -hmm. why would you not be a supporter of theirs in the sense that you can then threaten to remove your support? Mm -hmm. If you just stand uh, opposed to them just on principle, like, oh, you're a statist and you're a Republican, so obviously I oppose you off jump. Well, then why do they have to listen to you? They don't. Right. So you now have a, a governor who is willing to fight and sacrifice political capital to try and alleviate some of the problems that the left's creating in this country, things that libertarians hate. Yeah. So if we are willing to support this guy when he does good, then we can actually mold what he is doing moving forward, or at least have some influence in it. If we don't, if we just say, fuck this guy, he's a Republican, he's a statist, then he's just gonna, he's gonna do whatever the, the worst aspects of conservatism demand. So I would prefer that we actually have some hand on the lever of power here and say, hey, you have the libertarian community supporting you to some extent right now. Mm -hmm. Don't don't fuck it up. Don't lose us. We we can actually be the the you know the deciding factor in, in your next election.
Yeah. I think that that's, that's a way that the libertarian community could actually get some truly libertarian ideals passed. And it's like, uh, uh, one other note I wanted to make about the, the you know, free speech of Disney thing. Mm-hmm. Disney's a multinational, multi-billion dollar corporation that owns many American politicians. To talk mm-hmm. as if they have a constitutionally protected right to speech when they are actively circumventing our constitution by being a crony operation, fuck Disney. I don't yeah. understand how any libertarian is going to come to their aid in this moment. They, on top of that, they are throwing their hat into the ring in a really fucking crazy topic, which is trying to get five to eight-year-olds to learn about, you know, transgenderism and all sorts of things. Things that should only be taught by the parents at that age at most, mm-hmm. at most. You have no reason for teachers to be telling kids about that stuff. It's crazy. These are eight-year-olds at the oldest. These are absolute children there's no there's no questioning it's not 16 to 18 or 17 to 19 this is kids fucking kids and they're like yeah we're gonna just teach them about this stuff because we need it to be an inclusive environment for the handful of kids that have gay parents you don't have to teach them about anything you shouldn't be talking about your personal life these teachers are like how am i supposed to tell them what about what i did with my husband this past weekend i don't want you telling them shit about your life you're a school teacher and their children leave them alone Teach them how to read and write and do math. And it's like, that's it. That's your job. When I was a kid, I didn't have a fucking clue what the Mm -hmm. sexuality of my teacher was. And I was fine with that because I didn't know what sexuality was at that age. I don't even understand how this is a debate. I really don't. And and I know it makes me seem as if I'm some like Christian conservative on this stuff. But no, I'm not. It's just like. You're a common sense human being. Jesus Christ. Like, what the fuck is wrong with people? If anything, adults. The parents of said children can teach their kids about sexuality if they feel so inclined. But look, kids, when it comes to shit like this in public schools, this isn't up for debate, right? They're already getting indoctrinated with so much other bullshit. The last thing we need to start telling them is shit about transgenderism, you know, gay rights, lesbian rights. And look, if you want to chop your dick off, if you want to, you know, play scissor me timbers or whatever, I don't care. Do that. Yep. That's fine. But don't teach fucking okay kids about that. Kids don't need to know because all that does is confuse them. And once again, if the parents want to teach their kids about that, I'm no one to tell anybody how to run their kids' lives. Do I think you should do that to children? Probably not, but it's not my business. But it's, once again, it goes back to libertarians wanting to just be right all the time. Oh, well, look, I'm principled. We should just abolish public schools. (laughs) Okay, well, let's let's get back to reality here. And I, I... it's so frustrating when these people just won't say, all right, well, you know what? I don't agree with, you know, states and governments doing things, but they're protecting children. If there's some collateral damage, to just my feelings and principles, I'm willing to set that aside to protect the children. Cause you know, what is our society if we're not willing to go out of the way to protect children of all right. people? It's like the, the one thing that I think many libertarians actually agree with is that the mm-hmm. state ought to protect kids as long as the state exists. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I have I have areas of disagreement with the state when it comes to protecting children and like see right. uh, child protective services and removing kids from their homes. And mm-hmm. like there's there's lots of the, the state is a very messy tool. And I'm not going to pretend that this that they're going to deal with this properly. But yeah. that's why I don't want them dealing with this topic, period. And mm-hmm. and it's just again, I've, I've even seen people arguing that that DeSantis is interfering with teachers free speech. It's like, 
when you're teaching, you don't have free speech. What are we talking about? You're supposed to teach curriculum. You're supposed to be fired from your job when you tell kids crazy shit. That's like, but they don't do that because of the teachers union. So like, this is the, this is what they have to do. Like I would rather, I would rather see him break the, break Mm -hmm. the teachers union, obviously. I'd rather us go to all privatized or homeschool. Like these are all preferences, Mm -hmm. but that's not reality. And, and, you know, as, as, as much as I hate to agree with the post libertarians on anything, but they need to get in reality, deal mm-hmm. in reality here. Like these, these children are being traumatized and many of them are dealing with anxiety and depression and record numbers. We have record suicides. We have record drug uh, overdoses. If you think that this isn't part of it, you're tripping. We have these skyrocketing mm-hmm. cases of, of people thinking that, you know, they're non-binary or whatever. The vast majority of them are not. They're just confused and they're trying to fit in. And that's natural because when you're in high school or middle school, you feel out of place. I, I felt out of place too. Um, that's just part of growing up. But if you give them an excuse for why they feel out of place, as opposed to just the natural awkwardness of being a middle schooler, well, then, then yeah, they're going to be like, well, maybe I'm gay, maybe I'm bi, maybe I'm trans. It's like, it's just, it's just a very unhealthy thing to, to give kids as an outlet for the natural angst of childhood. And that's not to discount the genuine you know, transgender children that exist or whatever. I'm sure many of them will actually grow up to be trans. And, mm-hmm. it, and they probably would have anyways, but we don't need to be encouraging this. It right. used to be considered a, a mental health crisis when you had gender dysphoria. I'm not sure that that was the proper way of viewing things either, but I certainly don't think that it should be viewed as like, it's it's not just okay, but it's great. And if you feel for a second that you might be, we're going to encourage you down that path. It's like, yeah. no, let people figure the shit out on their mm-hmm. own. True. Right. And there have been plenty of cases where children grow up and then they transition as, you know, children and they regret it later on. So why why can we not just say, you know, when they're a little bit more of age of mind, hey, if you want to learn about it, go ahead. I don't recommend you do this, but there are people who feel this way. But once exactly. you're an adult, you can do whatever you want. But as a kid, like this is off limits. Like children are not up for debate. And well, I don't understand how people think that, you know, that there's any good way to advocate for children to be transgender. Like, are you fucking insane? <laughs> I, I don't know either. And, and it's, and th- there's this trend right now over the past two years, that's really horrifying in that not only are we willing to test out and I'll try and be careful with YouTube, but not only are we willing to trust, uh, test out, you know, untested unknown side effect, type of injections but now we're all we're also willing to consider um you using you know hormone blockers and things like that on kids mm-hmm. when that that is a big deal you know people say right. oh it's reversible no excuse me if you if you use hormone blockers when someone is going through puberty that is not fully reversible not even fucking close and everybody knows it so um i think that there's uh, once again the the unscientific community has stamped their name on we are the science here and right. it's not fucking accurate. And I'm going to I'm going to stand up for these kids because I think it's wrong what's happening to them. And that's it. You know, if it makes me not a libertarian in some really principled libertarian's eyes, I don't give a fuck. I'm more interested in like saving the culture of this country because it is fucking crumbling and everybody knows it. Yeah, and it, it kind of goes to the uh, it's a private company bro argument, and this also can kind of tie in with the Elon Musk deal, where, okay, at what point are you willing to say that this is no longer a private company? Um, Twitter has the state constantly on top of them, where they're telling them, you can't do this, you have to kick off these kind of people, these people are terrorists. YouTube at one point, and yeah, you could say the World Health Organization is an NGO, but 
is it really is it really a non-governmental organization <laughs> no <laughs> um youtube at one point it said they're going to remove any content that disagrees with the world health organization and to kind of go a little bit further into that they classified processed meat as a class two carcinogen and just regular old red or no, no i'm sorry i have that backwards um red meat so just like a steak you'd go to longhorn steakhouse and chow down on they classified that as a class two carcinogen and processed meat like a hot dog as a class one carcinogen think about how ridiculous that is that that's going to give you cancer but if you disagreed with that in 2020 youtube would have removed your content right and we know google youtube twitter they're definitely taking public money you know there's they got plenty of shareholders once again at what point is no longer a private company same deal with disney it's clearly not a private company anymore so i don't want to hear this fucking argument about oh it's a private company bro and it's funny the people that usually say that will crush private companies anytime they get the chance it's exactly. just exactly <laughs> it's just when there's dissidents involved that they can crush then they'll stick up for private business rights it's, it's very disingenuous and it's very ironic yeah well and they're I don't know how many times I have to say this. The left only uses our principles against us when it benefits them. That's mm -hmm. it. That's the only time they do it. <laughs> Otherwise, they don't give a fuck about property rights. They shut down like half of the businesses in this country. Millions of them permanently closed, permanently yes. shuttered because of Democrat governors. Do you think they give a fuck about a business's rights? <laughs> no, of course they don't. Uh. So just disregard that. If you want to have a principled debate about whether or not we should respond in kind, I'm fine with that. But don't play into your enemy's hands. And they are our enemies. If you shut down a million fucking businesses in this country, you are my enemy, period, point blank. Yes. No, no compromise. You are my fucking enemy because you are breaking the back of this economy and you're doing it and you're forcing more people onto the dole. I despise these people. And to your point about, you know, the delineating line between what is a private and, and a non-private company or a, you know, crony or or fascistic arm of the state like it there's all there's all gray area and and gradients here um i had judge andrew napolitano on last thursday and we and we discussed this and he said um you know i think he and i disagree on this actually i think i'm a little mm -hmm. bit more extreme than he is here sure. but he was saying that there is actually like categorically there are areas where a business is so deeply embedded in the government that the const like through constitutional law like the supreme court judges and stuff like that will say like, we can't tell the difference anymore. So this business now has to honor the Bill of Rights with, like, the business has to. So oh. I, I think that there's a real good argument to be had that Twitter and Google and all these other companies that have made billions of dollars off of their affiliation with the government, be it, um, you know, spying on the American people, selling that information, that data to the government or the NSA or whatever, yeah. uh, all, all sorts of shit, censorship, it, you know, the, the fact that they go up on Capitol Hill and they get told that they have to have increasing... Uh, moderation aka censorship upon any dissident viewpoint mm -hmm. like i don't know if these companies are private anymore at all i really don't and and judge knapp said there was this uh, this case of uh at&t where they actually had nsa employees that were sitting in at&t's offices like and he was like so so i think it's a he's like so in that office clearly that is not a private business anymore but does that apply to the rest of at&t and he was kind of making it sound as if he didn't think that it makes all of AT&T sure. no longer a private business. I disagree. I say that, that money is fungible. So if you are profiting from the government in one area in a significant way, obviously, if it's very minor, I'm not going to say that you're not a private business. But if it's mm -hmm. significant, like if a huge portion of your bottom line comes from some sort of affiliation with the government, fuck you. I don't <laughs> care. 
I want to get away from that. I want to get away from cronyism. Half the reason people hate capitalism in this country is because they believe that this is capitalism when it isn't. Right. It's fucking so far away from capitalism. So I think that the best stand that the libertarian community could take is, fuck you, if you take money from the government, if you get special treatment from the government, you have no rights. We don't, mm -hmm. we don't defend you anymore. The libertarians right. who love capitalism are not going to defend cronyism anymore. Right. I think that is a very powerful stand that we could take that makes sense, that could actually claw back some of our liberty and get us uh, closer to, to some semblance of actual capitalism. Uh, I, don't, I don't see any downside to it. Not to mention it would also bring in the populist left who hates co corporations to begin with, and it would bring mm -hmm. in the populist right movement who has now identified that big business is not their friends, that they hate the censorship, yeah. they hate big tech, they hate all the businesses that, that threaten to fire them from their jobs if it weren't for uh, you know, taking an injection, things like that. I think it's a huge opportunity, and, and it's also, in my opinion, you know, maybe it's a consequentialist argument and people hate it when I make those, but I think it's, sure. it's a pathway to getting real liberty in our lifetime, and I think it would be a huge mistake for us not to take advantage. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I like that you brought up the uh, left as well, the left populace, because not that I think that they're necessarily better than the political right, because the political right, in my opinion, shares a little bit more of my personal values in the, you know, regards to like social conservatism, but that doesn't mean we still shouldn't work with these people, right? Of course. So, um, I put up two podcasts recently. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to it, but I did one on the uh, GOP paleo strategy, critiquing the uh, Libertarian Party, and then pretty much the same way the other way around. And they seem to be nice. really, really popular. Um, it seems like people are really dying to hear about these conversations about strategy because every time, you know, Lines of Liberty, anybody posts a debate or topic about strategy, people are just, you know, lining up to listen to these kind of roundtables or these discussions because I think it's so pertinent to where we are right now because, once again, <laughs> beggars cannot be choosers. We have to use the best instruments at our hands to claw back our liberties. So, um, you know, you've been doing a few speaking engagements for the Libertarian Party. Um, how's it been going for you over the last couple of months? Because it seems like you're, you know, I mean, you're hanging out with Eric July, Scott Horton, Dave Smith. Yeah. Um, how's oh, that been going, man? man. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been incredible. I, I'm doing my second one in Ohio this weekend. I fly out mm -hmm. on, I don't know, Friday, I think. Sure. Um, so I'm thrilled. I've done a bunch via Zoom. Uh, I was supposed to be, I think it was Michigan I was supposed to be in, and that, uh, that flight got canceled. Fuck you, JetBlue. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I missed that one, but this will be my, my second now officially that's live. Mm -hmm. The first one went great, man. It, it, they, they cut me from 30 minutes to 15 minutes right before we started. Cause they were waiting for the, uh, the regular LP convention to, to end, to try and get Spike Cohen and a bunch of people to come over and watch. Um, and I was the opener obviously, cause when you have Scott Horton, Eric July and Dave Smith, yeah, Clint Russell is definitely the opener on that lineup. Cause those guys are fucking <laughs> giants in the game um mm -hmm. but yeah it was my first ever live speech and to have three of my icons sitting front row it was incredible the mm -hmm. sold out place with overflow uh, you know 150 people in this like movie theater setup plus 100 yeah. people in the bar and the overflow watching on the live stream it was incredible man i can't i can't even like put it into words i was nervous as hell have all my heroes sitting there to to cheer me on and uh and people the the response from it was great i mean people were hooting and hollering when I was done. So it felt good. I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity and I really look forward to what I can do with it moving forward. Awesome, man. Yeah, that's, that's great to hear. Um, kind of the topic the last time you were on was mostly just about optimism because it seems like there's a lot of people fired up about the movement. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing you kind of felt that when you were speaking. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. It's, I mean, the, there's like, 
Like I, I did a hundred thousand downloads last month with Liberty Lockdown. Dude, that's but awesome. It, it doesn't even compare to just having 150 people sit there live, you know, like, yeah. like, you know, you just, you have no sense of what it's like to have that many people listening until you actually see human faces. Um, so it, it really amplified the power of like what we're doing and what we're capable of. Like, I think I, I better understand why Dave maintains a greater sense of optimism than I do because he gets mm -hmm. to go out and see these people like almost yeah. every weekend uh, when you get offline and you actually see the people in real life and you realize like much of our differences are put aside and, mm -hmm. and it's, and we actually, you know, like each other and we can get along. It's, it's a much more optimistic feeling than when you're just in the, in the trenches on Twitter. Trying yeah. To hash shit out. Yeah. Unfortunately, Twitter is the most effective medium for libertarians right now. Cause, uh, you know, I only started getting back on Twitter when I first started this show back in like, uh, October and I realized how much I hate other libertarians and how much I fucking hate Twitter. But, uh, you know, what you said there kind of reminds me of playing music, right? So I've been in this band of Common Crown now for three or four years, and there is nothing like going in front of over a thousand people opening for Steel Panther and people just going nuts right after you play oh, a song. Dude. And they may not know your music, but I mean, they're just stoked to be there. I mean, we open for Firehouse, we have Stephen Piercy of Rat, and just people going nuts. I mean, hundreds of people right in your face. So yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And this is another thing to kind of tie back to culture as well, is that getting out to these libertarian events and even just doing things outside of libertarian events getting together with other people and just having that human contact which was taken away from us in 2020 is so freaking important because it really makes you forget about this dumb argument on twitter about people getting pissed off about the hobos on a park bench getting physically removed by police like <laughs> <laughs> nobody cares about that kind of stuff at first you're just excited to you know go do a shot with the uh, dude you've talked to a million and a half times on twitter you know the, the really crazy thing is in real life i think 99% of libertarians, if they saw a cop, you know, politely telling a, a homeless dude who has a needle hanging out of his arm to get out of the park so that your kid could play, I think 99% of libertarians <laughs> would be like, I'm good with that. You know, like, yeah. that's fine by me. You know, if they roughed him up, that'd be a different story. But if they were like, hey, you can't be doing this here. This is crazy. I think almost every libertarian in real life would be like, thanks. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. Real life is completely different from the online shit show um but like you said you know people love to see the debates about tactics what i think they really love to see is just squabbling they love fighting they love to see and, and you know i get it like i i enjoy it too i like to see uh i like to match wits i like to see if i can actually defeat someone in the in the idea space in real time unscripted like that's a powerful thing and i think that libertarians more than probably any political group on earth really thrive with that like we really love it and and this is why I'm so thrilled to see, hopefully, Dave Smith run for president is because he does it as well as anybody. I mean, he mm -hmm. will absolutely eviscerate his opponents when it comes to any sort of debate. Um, so God willing, man, I'm, I'm, I'll be in Reno in, uh, in whatever, May, next month. And, yeah. uh, and let's, let's hope that it, it turns into something beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and this kind of goes back to the whole Libertarian Party thing as a whole. Um, I had Angela on to talk strategy, critiquing the uh, GOP paleo route, which I've, as I said earlier, become a lot more sympathetic towards. Um, the knowledge and the wit 
and just how articulate Angela is, is fucking impressive. Like, I don't think people yeah. understand. She is a lot smarter than just the debater and the chairwoman that you're going to see here in less than oh, yeah. a month now. She is one smart cookie and she is a badass. So having yes. someone like that running the Libertarian Party, I really think to kind of throw a bone towards the Libertarian Party, I think the GOP and Paleo guys really underestimate what someone like that can do. Because to talk about Trump again, he was very effective at controlling dialogue. Same thing with DeSantis. These right-wing populists have been very effective at controlling dialogue because they're willing to play the game and they're smart on their toes and they can, you know, throw things back at people really quick. When you have someone like a Dave Smith, like an Angela McArdle, that can control the dialogue like that, that's very, very important. That's a real way to get people, you know, a little bit more interested and not make us look like idiots. Like, yes, I voted for Joe Jorgensen. I donated Joe Jorgensen. She's a good libertarian, right? Yeah. But this Patrick Bet David interview that came out, this was this was abysmal this was terrible this was a person who represented our ideology in 2020 and you want people to continue to consider themselves libertarians if you look at the comments dude it's terrible people are trashing libertarians so we need somebody out there who's quick and on their toes who's able to spit that hot liberty fire when it you know when it needs to be said the way it needs to be said absolutely and and you don't you don't even have to like you can still take the ron paul route and be like calm and concise and mm -hmm. and just the key is passion right like, it is crystal clear when ron paul speaks that he means what he says and he feels it he feels it inside deeply people resonate with that and so like you can take two paths but you can't be weak you cannot be weak mm -hmm. because if you actually believe in what we believe in and you believe it sincerely it comes through loud like yeah. it's it's just it screams the whole reason dave smith is a libertarian is because of Ron Paul's truth telling, but the the truth came from inside. Like it was, he could feel it. He didn't even know at the time. I don't think Dave even knew that Ron Paul was right, mm -hmm. but he can sense it. He can right. sense it, and and that is what we need to do. Is we when you're awash in lies from the duopoly, if you can stand up there and tell the truth, even people that disagree with you will be able to sense it. And that's what I want. I don't want fucking weak, like doubt filled candidates. And Joe Jorgensen is filled with doubt. She right. is. No matter, no matter how good of a libertarian people say she is, when she's, when she's talking about you know, whether or not she agrees with Dave on immigration, well, yeah, I think I probably agree with him on most things. Actually, no, I don't. Um, yeah, I don't. Maybe, maybe I don't agree with him on anything, actually. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, it, well, because of 12 shots, like all this shit. It's just, yeah. it's, like, it's like, if you think that the guy who's going to be your predator, you know, your heir apparent that's going to run on, on your ticket in the next go around. If you think that he actually said something that egregious before you speak on it at all, go and listen to it. Mm -hmm. What are you fucking doing? Or if you don't know anything about Dave, which I find very hard to believe, but if you don't know anything, say, I don't really know him and leave it there. But she didn't do that. She right. decided to fucking slander him. And it's mm -hmm. just like, it's reprehensible. I would never do that to any of my political opponents and and dave's not her political opponent like it's it's just bizarre man so yeah i i was very disappointed with that appearance and i i have a feeling that dave will probably get a chance to to uh to go on patrick dick bet david and and represent us in a, in a truer fashion so let's, yeah. let's hope that happens right absolutely and it, it is terrible to see someone like her 
knock somebody who's on her side. Like I know I, I, who was who was pretty kind to her, even though she sucked. <laughs> right, and even he on his own podcast, he didn't like slam her or anything like that. He was critical with her campaign, but reasonably so. And if anything, she should have said, "Okay, well, why don't I analyze this whole landscape?" Right. Dave Smith is getting a lot of people excited. There are people screaming at events where he's at because they're, they, they, they're so excited about what he's talking about. Right. What, what, what is he doing that I'm not doing? Exactly. It, it's, it's like a common life thing that I think a lot of people tend to miss. It's like, hey, if I seem to be getting you know, booed or nobody's really attracted my message, what am I doing wrong? It's not what is everybody else doing wrong? It's what am I doing wrong? You know, and you what, know what, what that is, right? That's a trait. That, that, no, that's a trait of winners. And yeah. these people are fucking <laughs> losers. Exactly. I, yes. I am dead serious. This sounds really harsh, but I'm telling you guys the truth right now. If you look at someone who's do, doing better in life than you are, and your immediate reaction isn't to go, how do I do that? Right. But rather, fuck this person, or I'm jealous of this person. That is a lo loser's mentality. You will never be where that person is if that's how you look at them, ever. And, and I have been blessed to have formulated my, my lifestyle and my outlook on life in that fashion. Anytime I see someone who's doing better than me, I am taking notes. You know, Even if I don't love them, I don't have to respect yeah. them or anything like that, but I am taking notes. How? How did they do this? Same thing with uh, looking at DeSantis. If you, if you hate DeSantis, you better fucking be paying attention. You better be looking at what he's doing. Why is he being successful? Why is he standing apart? Like the, the Libertarian Party... OG, you know, woke version. They don't do that shit at all. They're just like, he's unprincipled. <laughs> you know, like that's the extent of their analysis. Yeah. And I'm like, how about you dig a little deeper? Why aren't we fucking capitalizing on whatever the hell he's doing that's so successful, that's allowing him to have all this political capital to, to making a, a national figure? Like we have to pay attention to this stuff. And, and if we don't, it's to our own detriment. So I am, I am sick of the loser mentality in the libertarian party. And I think that's probably the primary reason I got involved is like, I am going to come in here and I'm going to fucking teach these people how to be winners again, because they have been losers for 50 years. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's inexcusable. We have the best ideology. We have the best thinkers, but we are absolute losers. And I am not going to allow that to persist. Not as long as I'm involved. Like it's, it has to end. Yeah, dude, I, I completely agree. And I like that you brought it back to mindset. Um, a lot of people kind of want to give prescriptions instead of descriptions. So you write that you laid out something very, very beautiful there. And it's something that I've incorporated in my life personally. Um, when I was growing up and first starting to work on cars, I remember watching all the guys who made all the money in our shops. And I'm like, okay, what did they do? Why are they successful, right? What can I learn from them? And even the people who aren't being successful, what can I learn from them? And guess what? followed in their footsteps, didn't, maybe didn't do exactly what they did, but I followed in their footsteps. I did a lot of what they did. And then lo and behold, it brought me success, right? I'm a 27 year old dude that owns my house, but look, you retired at what? 40 years old to do no, your podcast 30, now? 30, 37. <laughs> How many other libertarians do you know that can say they retired? And a lot of these people that have been so prominent in the libertarian party, they're literally, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but they're out there saying, oh, I need money because I'm, I've fallen on hard times. Like, why would anybody want to listen to a word you have to say when you're out here with a GoFundMe to pay your fucking rent? And look, everybody falls on hard times. I get it. But like when it's a constant thing. Why should anybody listen to you? But this is the appeal of someone like you, someone like Dave Smith, someone like Eric July. 
people have irons in the fire where they're just interesting, influential people that, right. you know, are worthy of listening and, to. And they're doing shit. I mean, right. that's, that's really the key. Like, and, and it's not to say that like someone who has to run a GoFundMe to get themselves off the ground is, is irredeemable or even a bad person. Like, right. I'm not saying, I'm not even trying to like dismiss these people entirely. Uh, I'm just saying, why would I listen to you about how to do something? <laughs> you know, like I just, that's just the, I mean, no one's going to listen to you. That's yeah. just how it works. If you're not a success, why should someone listen to you about how to become one? It's fucking ridiculous. And that's, that's a big problem with our culture is that we look up to people who, who haven't done anything with their lives. Like it, that's the whole social media, you know, stardom thing. It's like, you can have millions of followers just for being hot and dancing, you know, it's like, <laughs> and not even dancing well, you know, yeah. and, and God bless if you're hot, like, capitalize on it. i don't give a fuck but i'm not going to listen to you about how to be a successful business person because you're hot and you have a million followers on tiktok like no that's not how it works i'm gonna listen to someone like you know elon musk or whatever mm -hmm. actually before uh, i forget i wanted to go back and say yeah i think there's a just to show that i'm being even-handed my in my assessment of businesses and whether or not they're private i don't think that tesla's a private business they've taken way <laughs> God, no many, they've taken way too many subsidies spacex mm -hmm. Basically, like all of his operations have been uh, benefited by government largesse, a.k.a. my stolen tax dollars. So, mm -hmm. you know, but that doesn't mean that he can't be good as the owner of Twitter or at least better than Parag Agarwal, who hates me. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm keeping I'm like I'm being real about this. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. Tesla is probably not a private business either, but will he be better as the CEO of Twitter? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And some people just don't want to accept that. Hey, this is actually something good. Yes. Obviously, because he makes electric vehicles, he's getting a lot of subsidies from the state because that's what they're pushing is mostly green energy. And I did a whole podcast on green energy efficiency. Um, I, I want to say it was episode 59. If everybody's curious about that, check it out. And I kind of debunked a lot of this bullshit surrounding green energy. But uh, to kind of go back to Ron Paul, when you think about the Rudy Giuliani moment, which is one of the like, most famous moments in all of political history, especially for you know our breed of people, mm -hmm. um, it wasn't necessarily the fact of what he said. It was the fact that he took the stance when it was most unpopular, exactly. right? He stood in an arena that absolutely hated his guts in that very moment. And then as, you know, Dave has kind of laid this out before, he said, I sincerely believe after getting clapped back to, to a thunderous applause, people hated him. The Republican Party hated him in that moment, but look what it spawned. So yeah, you could say the Ron Paul revolution was a failure because he never got elected, but think about what that spawned. If you look at, you know, just the 10 years out from when that happened, okay, yes, you're right. It's a failure, but okay, what's the exponential growth? Maybe these were seeds planted into the ground that now sprouted the Mises caucus and the Libertarian 100%. Party, which now will hopefully change political discourse for the better. But once again, the reason why this was so important is because he spoke the truth in the moment when it was very unpopular. And the other moment that people always bring up is the Harry Brown, you know, when will we learn, um, dated, you know, September 12th of 2001. And right. that's where we need to be is the people who are willing to speak the truth when it's unpopular and take the slings and arrows. And that's exactly. why those people are so admirable is because they're willing to take the slings and arrows. The people in the Libertarian Party now, they're not willing to take the slings and arrows from the entire regime and from popular culture. We got to be willing to take it. If you think you're going to end the world's largest honeypot of arms manufacturers and the woke brigade and all these that's big changed. corporations, yeah. <laughs> do you think they're just going to roll over and take it? No, <laughs> you're no. going to get hurt. Well, and, and do you think that 
the losers that have you know ran the LP for the past twenty years or whatever are going to going to you know take take the seat of power from the the biggest winners in history. Like <laughs> fuck no. Like you need winners that are going to outcompete these people in the in the idea space. And yeah, I, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it's it's not just about telling the truth, but telling the truth when it's the hardest. Like that's that's really key. I mean, just look at my show. I started in May 2020, and I named it Liberty Lockdown. Like that's I did it because I knew that there was not enough people that were telling the truth about how insane this was. And I was like, I'm gonna. No one's doing it to the extent that I feel is necessary. I'm gonna do it. And because of that, my show exploded in popularity. People love it when you are courageous. They love it because it earns respect. If you're gonna if you're gonna try and persuade someone to your political belief system they have to respect you and i feel like a lot of the libertarians they aren't respected and 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 you lose respect when you start to run cover for these big woke businesses that are crony and you lose respect from both sides because the the left looks at you as defending uh you know not the sorry the good the good left looks at you as defending big business right. which is anathema to them and then the the right looks at you as just being a pushover and, and being willing to never, never stand up for yourself. Um, so, and they're both right. They are both right. It looks like we're standing up for big business and it looks like we're never going to fight back. Right. And like, unless you're willing to go 1776 with this bitch, you better be willing to use the political apparatus to try and defend yourself. Like, I, I don't understand this when, when people are like, well, you can't use statism to fight statism. Like that's you're you're a status. Okay. Well then strap up Sally. Like, what are we going to do otherwise? I don't understand what the fucking option is. Like, are we just going to allow the left to continue to use the state while we do nothing to defend ourselves? Because if that's your plan, get the fuck out of my face. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know what to say to you. Like, it's one or the other. We have to fight back. So yeah. tell me how. Because they don't have an answer. They just go, well, we should abolish public schools. Okay. <laughs> I agree. But how do we get there? Yeah. yeah. What, what is the vehicle that we're using to get there? It's... It's so ridiculous, but you know, I tweeted out once that voting libertarian is almost like the, it's such an infallible position, right? Because you could say, well, if everybody just listened to me, then we'd be in Ancapistan right now. And look, you voted for him and look what all he did. You got screwed. And once again, this is why I have admiration for some of the paleo guys because they're willing to say, hey, I'm going to criticize this guy, but he's not this guy. I don't always agree with it, but once again, it's a solution nonetheless. So at, at what point, like we were saying earlier, are you willing to say, all right, this is, you know, shit or get, we got to start shitting or get off the pot. We have to do something to start shaping the uh, political discourse in our favor. And I think yes. once again, this is where the libertarian party is going to be very, very useful here in Pennsylvania. Yeah. We've had some small seats won, but you know, our strength could be that we can primary people, right? And I've heard other people talk about this, but okay, maybe don't run somebody against DeSantis, but if you do, you can say, look, you got to be better on these issues, which as a governor, I really don't have many complaints with him now as president. That's a completely different story. Of course. Um, but yeah, I think that's where the Libertarian Party needs to be. And the other thing that I've been thinking about lately, a lot about lately is um, happy warriors, right? We got to be people who are passionate about what we do, because if all we're offering you is the black pill and that this is going to be the worst thing you've ever done, why, <laughs> why do it? 
Why does anybody yeah. care? Why, no, you know, why even leave your house? Of course. And, and, you know, I'm certainly guilty of being blackpilled at times myself. And I've Everybody probably black, blackpilled my audience on a few topics because mm -hmm. they're very dire. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, it's a steep hill, but I've always been of the belief that you got to eat your vegetables. Like you yeah. got, you have to, you have to know what you're up against. And no matter how painful it is, you got to look it right in its face and fucking like measure that bitch. See, yeah. see how you can defeat it. And you can't defeat things that you can't see, you know, right. you just can't. So yeah, I'll, I'll talk about really dire things and, and really dark topics, but I always, the, the whole reason I'm talking about it is because I still have hope. You know, I still believe that we have a chance here. And I think that we have the greatest chance in our lifetimes, even greater than the Ron Paul revolution. I think we have the greatest chance in our lifetimes, maybe in the history of this country since the revolution, yeah. to, to really turn the tides, you know, culturally. Um, just look at the, the incredible work that James Lindsay has done, educating people on critical race theory as well as ESG. And, and he, he was responsible. I don't know if people know this, but he is, as far as I can tell, he is totally responsible for the OK Groomer thing, you know, where, where he just started labeling any company, any person that, that came out against, um, you know, the don't, gay, don't say gay bill and all that stuff is OK Groomer. Mm -hmm. And, and that is, that's huge because you could, I mean, they were writing all sorts of articles, like the, the left was, I mean, like Washington Post and shit. They're like, well, what is this groomer thing that the, that the right keeps calling us? Yeah. Like we finally found something that bothers them, you know, mm -hmm. and people can say, well, you don't, you don't defeat the left by playing the left's game wrong. You do defeat the left by playing the left's game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I totally disagree with that. Like, I think that if you're, if you're able to put them on the defense for once in my mm -hmm. fucking life. That is a huge win. That doesn't now. Now you still have to maintain your principles. Your your solutions still need to try and be as as liberty minded as humanly possible. But when it comes to tactics, fuck yes, I'm going to use the leftist tactics. Mm -hmm. Like I think it's brilliant, and and I am I am really hopeful that the the libertarian party moving forward will be on the offensive. Will use some of these tactics that have been successful. Like just like I was talking about earlier, if you're getting ran over in some, you know, athletic endeavor, you're, you're going to look at your opponent and be like, what is this guy doing to yeah. beat my ass? Mm -hmm. Same thing with the left, man. I've been studying the left like crazy, trying to understand how the fuck did they take over the culture? How did they take over the government, the economy, everything else, the schools, the academia, like they've taken over everything, media, everything. If we have to figure out how, yeah, how did they do it? And if we can, if we can outcompete them, if we can just have our, our handful of decent billionaires buy out their businesses, okay. But I don't think that's a permanent solution. I think that we're going to have to figure out how to actually play the game on a grassroots level. And uh, and I think that if people are paying attention to James Lindsay, he's got the the keys to that castle. Yeah, it's funny. I've seen a few people who are more in our camp than any other camp criticizing James Lindsay. And look, I don't agree with him on everything either. But sure. like you have to realize how effective he's been when it comes Tremendous. to discourse and, you know, kind of just putting this, this stuff on blast. Where, yeah. But do, okay, you, do you know why? Hmm. Because he has studied the Marxist dialectic. Right, right, absolutely. He is, he is literally weaponizing Marxism yeah. against itself. It is fucking brilliant. So right. I don't know. I, I haven't actually seen that much pushback from our community. I'm curious mm -hmm. what, they, what they had to say against him. Um, some people were kind of bashing him because he's not, he's an atheist and he kind of bashes against, 
you, you, I'm sure you know the kind of people I'm talking about. And I yeah, don't have yeah, any yeah. personal problems with these people. But uh, it's kind of like you're throwing out a dude who is a very, very good ally. And like I said, I don't even agree with the dude on everything. But this specifically, that's incredibly effective. And especially when they're trying to push this shit on children. And he's like the loudest and most well-informed voice. You want to make an enemy out of that guy? That's insane. <laughs> we should be doing everything in our power to get James Lindsay affiliated with the Mises Caucus. Like, mm -hmm. honest to God, we ought to. And sure, we can disagree with them about religion. I don't really give a fuck. Like, that's yeah. not what the Libertarian Party should be about. We're not trying mm -hmm. to have the state implement religion, last I checked. So yeah. like, why, why does the Libertarian Party have to be concerned with that? But mm -hmm. I don't think we want our culture to just completely degrade. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he, is, he is doing an amazing job of of course, correcting curriculum in public schools. And he's doing it from the sidelines, just from, you know, social media and, mm -hmm. and interviews and things like that. That's, that's what Dave's doing too. So uh, yeah, I, I love what he's about. And, and if anybody is hating on him for, you know, not being a pure libertarian, well, good luck, good luck yeah. ever succeeding. If you're going to hold purity mm -hmm. tests to people that are really uh, successful in what they're in endeavoring to do. Yeah, and you know, you could gatekeep and you could sit here and say, Oh, he's not, a but once again, we got to take allies where we can get them. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, it, it's it's so ridiculous how some people can be. Dude, we've been going back and forth for probably about 45 50 minutes now. I don't want to keep you too, too long. Um, I got two questions I try to ask every single guest, well, three. So, uh, we'll kind of do these, we'll get rocking and rolling, man. Um, is there anything else you wanted to hit before we get out of here? No, nah, not nah, late on me. Cool. Uh, what does health look like to you? Uh, Coke Zero and, and a vape. Um, <laughs> Beautiful. I'm I, I, no, I, I mean, health is, well, I mean, I work out every day. So I think that that's, that's key. Um, I actually had to do it primarily for my mental health because uh, when I wasn't taking care of my body, my mental health started to degrade. So um, in my you know, mid to late twenties, I just became a gym rat and I started to work out every day. And I basically have worked out, you know, five days a week ever since. And, mm -hmm. and I think that that has benefited me in immeasurable ways. Um, your social life improves. You get, you get girls easier, of course. You, you, you're, you actually get more, more friends just period, because people tend to, you know, like to be around people that are just seem happier. I, I'm happier too because I'm in shape. Like it, it, not just because I feel you know more confident, but also because my mental health is better because I have more endorphins because I'm you know constantly getting that flood. So um, I think that that's that's part of it. And then uh, for the libertarian community, I think probably the the biggest area of health that we lack, other than physical health, which uh, having gone to libertarian party conventions, uh, a lot of us lack physical health. Yeah. Uh, is, is the, you know, the peace of mind, the mental health side that, you know, because we are so, so inundated, we're so aware. And then we're so inundated with so much negative information because we understand how upside down civilization is right now. Uh, it can be very hard to combat that. If you don't have some sort of, you know, mindfulness practice, meditation, yoga, things like that. I, I really believe, I mean, Therapy, if you want to go that route, is is probably advisable too. Um, but more than that, I think mindfulness and meditation are are and uh, and yoga are top top of the list. If anybody's really struggling out there, I would highly recommend it. 
Nice. Yeah, I completely agree. All that stuff's great stuff. And yeah, I definitely push uh, libertarians, especially to kind of get a little bit more exercise in because oh, the, the clarity of mind, especially like I used to do a lot of running, especially back in like 2020 when COVID got, you know, first kind of came about. Um, I remember just running all the time. And there's something just i can't even describe it when you're a couple miles out into the woods and it's dead you, there's nobody there it's just you jogging along there's something incredibly peaceful about it and i think it's a lot of people did stuff like that it's really cool and there's also just the incredible feeling every single time i get i walk up to the deadlift bar with 400 pounds on it and yeah. fucking slam that bitch up it, it is yeah. there's something just primal about it it, it feels incredible <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, we've, I think we may have talked about this last time I was on, mm -hmm. maybe that was on with Jose. Um, but the, you know, the diminishing testosterone in this country is a real problem. And, yeah. and if you're lifting heavy, that's probably not going to be an issue. Um, so, <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, I would highly recommend that for any of the libertarian men out there, but also for the women, like it, mm -hmm. it's, it's great for all of us and, and yeah. it makes you live longer, makes you happier. I don't see any downside to it. So like, <laughs> why not do it? Um, and it's, it's absolute, I mean, it may have saved my life. I was in such a dark place, uh, in my late twenties. Uh, and since then I, you know, went on to graduate college, become a millionaire, have a successful podcast. Like, yeah, like all of this is, is a product of getting my, my health in order. So that's kind mm -hmm. of square one. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Uh, what does Liberty look like to you? That man, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, liberty is, is uh, to me, it's just about having to just bodily, auto just being autonomous, like ha being able to mm -hmm. decide what I want to do with my life. Um, certainly there's, there's aspects of, of, you know, respecting others and, and all sorts of things that, that come along with that. And I think that's why I, I like to include uh, some level of moral guidance in libertarianism. Mm -hmm. You know, like a, a lot of people just go, we don't need to be advising people on morality, you know? Like that's the, that's to them to decide. Well, if your morality degrades into some sort of belief in, uh, in the state, <laughs> good, good luck with maintaining a free society, you know? Right. And, and so like, it's all, it's all part and parcel of the same thing. Um, but yeah, it's it, peace and prosperity. I mean, that, those are the, the two things that I'm, I'm seeking most. And, and I think that we're very far away from it in many, many regards. And it's a, it's a product of us getting away from liberty. So I think it kind of proves itself out. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is the byproduct of just comfort for so long. And especially, uh, you know, as we've been kind of hit on most of the show, um, 2020, we kind of got proven to be a very, very comfortable country. And hopefully after these last two years, especially, um, people are kind of jarred out of that and, you know, ready to go into action. Yep. Thank God. We need him. Oh, absolutely. Clint, where can everybody find you, brother? Uh, at Liberty Lockpot on Twitter, Liberty Lockdown on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, everywhere else. And if you're in Ohio, come out and see me speak. That'll be fun. Mm -hmm. uh, that is this weekend. And anything else? I have Judge Andrew Napolitano on my show every Thursday now, which is a really cool yeah. new development. Uh, we just did our third episode. And it was great. We talked about the DeSantis Disney thing and he, he went into like case law to demonstrate his, I mean, it's just, it's just an incredible resource to have. I, I can't believe it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just amazing. Cause I, I yeah. absolutely loved his show on Fox business back in the day. It was like the mm -hmm. first time I got to see a real libertarian on, uh, you know, corporate news and 
it's just it's just amazing. I'm living the dream, man. So mm -hmm. yeah, everybody check me out. Go and uh, subscribe to Liberty Lockdown. And make sure you, you support Kyle, of course. I try, brother. I really, really <laughs> appreciate the love. And uh, dude, it's been awesome having you. Um, you're welcome on here anytime. So, uh, um, you know, I guess until next time, everybody, make sure you subscribe to Clint. If you need your supplements, check out AxeandSledge.com, Matovic10, M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K-1-0 for a little discount on your uh, supplements, get you all jacked and tan. And uh, Clint, <laughs> if you got anything else, we'll get out of here. Uh, only thing I would say is you need to change that promo code to Kyle, bro. Your last name's too hard to spell. <laughs> uh, I know. Well, that's why I got to spell it out for everybody. I know it's, it's fucked up, but I always try to put it in all the show notes and everything. Yeah, I know. Us, us goddamn Polacks. Yeah. All uh, right. I, go, I go by my middle name because my last name's too hard to pronounce, so I feel you. <laughs> yeah, dude, no problem. All right, everybody. Rock and roll. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.